Homelessness in Davis is worsening. Davis High has adopted a dual enrollment grant, and Homecoming takes on a different form during the pandemic. From the Blue Devil Hub, I'm Stella Mays, and this is The News Cycle. It's Monday, October 11th. The Davis homelessness population has grown exponentially since the beginning of the pandemic. Max Davis-Housefield has the story. Cars rush past a small collection of tents between S Street and the Cannery Housing Development. Their inhabitants are some of the 190 homeless people living in Davis. That number is from the 2019 Point in Time Count, an official count of a jurisdiction's homeless population that is mandated by the government every two years. The 2021 count was postponed a year due to the pandemic. More than 650 people were living homeless in the entirety of Yolo County, according to the survey. Joan Planell with the Davis Homeless Alliance thinks that that number is an undercount. In this last year, people at risk were placed in a program called Project Room Key, and they served several hundred people in Davis. Many more people than the official count. Bill Pride, the executive director of Davis Community Meals and Housing, agrees. Generally, I think homelessness is probably up from where it was a few years ago. With about 170,000 people on the streets each night, according to the governor's office, homelessness is one of the biggest challenges facing California right now. California has the highest number of people living unsheltered in the United States. It is so bad that in a recent campaign speech during the recall election, Governor Gavin Newsom said it was the second biggest issue for California, right after tackling the pandemic. Every homeless person's situation and story is different. There's really no predictor out there that's going to say whether somebody does or doesn't. I've known some affluent families in town whose kids became homeless. Planell describes a continuum or range of homelessness that goes from people that are pretty high functioning, may have had a job, and at the very other end are people that are defined as chronically homeless. Many of them have either a a mental illness that significantly interferes uh, with their functioning or a substance use disorder, or they have them both at the same time. And somewhere in the middle of this continuum, you also can find people that have left their home because of domestic violence. But how did the situation get to be this bad? The biggest reason is the lack of affordable housing in California. If anything, the housing situation has certainly not kept up with the population growth. Sometimes people that you would think have good, consistent jobs really can't afford to live in Davis. (laughs) While there are programs in place to help those who can't afford housing, they really aren't enough. There are government-funded housing vouchers available, but those are difficult to get. The wait list in Yolo County is thousands long. Even if you can get a voucher, landlords aren't mandated to accept them. People who are unhoused or with minimum incomes are competing with UC Davis students. Landlords would prefer to rent to the students and the subsidized housing reimbursement is about 75% of fair market rate in Davis. Another part of the problem can be traced back to the 80s in the Reagan administration. Under the Reagan administration, there was a movement called deinstitutionalization, where many state psychiatric hospitals closed 
with the policy statement that people with severe mental illness can live in the community, I agree with that wholeheartedly. But what happened was the institutions closed and the money did not follow the people into the community. It was a disaster. It continues to be a disaster. Planell also points to the opioid crisis as one of the factors driving homelessness right now. Pratt agrees that the lack of services for people with mental health, drug and alcohol issues is fueling the problem. It's been kind of ever-evolving storm that's gotten worse as the years have gone by. Next time, we'll investigate some of the solutions and resources that are available for the homeless in Yolo County. For the News Cycle, I'm Max Davis-Housefield. There's a new grant adopted by Davis High that allows students to simultaneously take classes at the high school and community college. Jihan Moon interviewed Davis High Vice Principal Chandra Wengler and Grant Director Rosana Chavez-Hernandez about what the grant will mean for students. Tell me about the HSI Early College Program, Ms. Chavez-Hernandez. What is it? The HSI Early College Program, what it is, it's a federally funded grant project through the U.S. Department of Education that will focus on early college initiatives and introduce our Latinx and low-income high school students to college via um, participation in dual enrollment. And before I get into what dual enrollment is, I wanted to talk a little bit about the HSI grants and their purpose. So um, at the federal level, there is a HSI, Hispanic Serving Institution designation. And what that means is that colleges or universities um, serve at least 25% Latinx students. And at Sac City College, we've been an HSI-serving institution since 2015. And currently, we actually have about 33% of our students are um, Latinx um, identifying. But in terms of the project, um, as far as dual enrollment, um, for those who may not know, dual enrollment is when a student can take a college course and receive both high school and college credit at the same time. So credit for high school graduation and also college credit towards general education. Ms. Wingler, what motivated DJUSD to participate in this program? We always want to see how we can better serve our students and how we can bring more opportunities to all of our students um, and trying to provide more opportunities for these students who might not necessarily have thought of themselves as going to college and taking college courses and earning credits and us providing that opportunity for them to do that here. Ms. Chavez Hernandez, you said this is for Latinx and low income students. Is the program available to people outside of those groups? So, of course, the nature of the, of the grant is focusing on Latinx um, enrollment in higher education systems, but really also focusing on communities that are underserved, low-income students, or students who really never consider themselves college-going. Um, so this is an opportunity for dual enrollment to come in, introduce college in a very fun and safe environment, but also with a lot of wraparound student support services to help students. So it's not about just, you know, here you go, sign up for a class, best of luck. So going back, of course, to your initial question, it's not just um, exclusively for Latinx students. Um, of course, the nature of the grant, you know, it is focusing on Latinx, but it's really for other students as well um, who fall into those other um, categories that I have mentioned. DHS students already have the opportunity to take classes at Sac City. Ms. Wingler, will this new program impact that? I, I don't see it having any type of impact necessarily with the students who are currently at our high school who might take classes, say, with Sac City or, or Consumers River College. For them, that would be considered concurrent enrollment, meaning they're both enrolled at the high school and they're also taking courses at a college. But those credits 
um, are not overlapping. Those students can continue to definitely enroll in classes for the summer or even during the school year as they normally would. I would say one big difference with this specific program is that it does have a target student population. The homecoming dance will look different this year with COVID restrictions. Cheska Fanuki has the story. Davis High students have been having a lot of questions on how COVID is going to affect the homecoming dance. Apoorv Mishra, who is in student government, talks about the homecoming rules and restrictions and how they plan on helping calm people's worries about the dance. Poco will be taking place um, in the quad this year, so we will be having um, a fenced area in the quad where everybody will be able to you know, go to the dance. It will be 8 p.m. to 11 on Saturday. Our biggest safety restriction obviously relates to COVID. We want everybody to have a negative COVID test in order to enter the dance. Davis High student Isabel Lester talked about how she feels about the safety precautions affecting the dance. The COVID restrictions, I think that they're fair, but I also think that it's going to be pretty cold there, so I'm not sure if everybody's going to want to stay for as long as they usually would. I also think it might be a little difficult to have every student go and get a negative COVID test 72 hours before just because of the amount of students. Isabella is not the only student worried about these problems. Davis High senior Ali Dolcini is worried students won't listen to the dance restrictions when it comes to staying six feet apart. I understand that the staff is going to try and enforce that, but I really doubt that it will stay enforced throughout the whole night. For the Blue Devil Hub, I'm Francesca Fanuki. Check out the Hub on Instagram at Blue Devil Hub and on Twitter at DHS Hub. You can find this episode and all our previous shows at bluedevilhub.com, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. The New Cycle is a production of the Blue Devil Hub in association with the Davis Enterprise. Daniel Ruiz Jimenez writes our theme music. The podcast is produced by Stella Mays and Max Davis Housefield. Stay safe and talk soon.